Okay, hi everybody. I am Alessandro Lonero uh, from Performance Lab and welcome everybody to the second uh, episode to this um, Performance Quest. I'm very happy to be here, of course, with Francesco Guzzolin and that everybody knows him and with our uh, guest of today, Daniel Shapiro. Uh, Daniel Shapiro, it's uh, is a very important, it's a very uh, um, important host and sorry, guest. And uh, actually, uh, at the moment, is the head of strength conditioning coach of LA Clippers, but at the same time, is the president of the NBA strength and conditioning coaches. So, uh, we are very honored to be here with you, Daniel. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself, um, if you want to say something with us, um, Hello and welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Alessandro and Kuzo as well. Obviously, you know, me and Kuzo go back a long ways and um, from his time in the NBA. And um, no, you're just, I'm, I'm excited to talk shop about basketball strength and conditioning. Been doing this a long time. Like you said, I knew Kuzo back when I was with the uh, uh, Sacramento Kings. I was there for eight years. And then uh, before that, I was also with the Seattle Supersonics as an assistant for seven years, and then coached and went NBA college. NBA, college, NBA. So in between my three NBA stints, I had two colleges, one at uh, University of Dayton and one in, in my hometown of Seattle, the University of Washington, for six years college. So you're looking at about 24 years of uh, basketball, strength and conditioning from intern, assistant, all the way up. And um, been had the opportunity to work with a lot of great people, learn and continue learning. And um, always fun to share and talk with other colleagues like you, like yourselves. Oh, amazing. Hi, Daniel. I'm very happy to have you with us tonight. You know, when, when you're talking about your experience, uh, it looks like if your experience age is like 75 years old or something yeah, like yeah. that, but your biological age is like 25. I know just right. you, Keith D'Amelio, <laughs> that every year look younger <laughs> and cheat, I don't know, on your age, because when you're speaking about your experience, you know, you look very, very old. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I shaved uh, today. I shaved uh, today. I usually have my beard. I shaved and I started at nine. I started at the age of 19. So I started very young. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Okay. I know uh, Daniel from, uh, from low, from long. And uh, what I like of Daniel, not just because you are here, He's very professional, but he got always a smile on his face. You know, he's a very po positive person, he's very optimistic. And I think, I believe, this is also a secret of, of uh, working for many, many years in a professional sports environment because it's really stressful for sure, you know, managing players. And in this period, I think is uh, uh, also more difficult than, uh, than in the past. So let's start talking about your experience uh, in the bubble. After, I mean, a long period of isolation for the players during the lockdown, you have prepared the team uh, to play the postseason. So again, a different kind, but still uh, isolation. So what kind of difficulties have you crossed like a strength conditioning coach? How did you manage training and recovery during the most important period of the season? Well, well you said it. It was the most important time of the season because it's the most important season part of the season the players understood that so it was an opportunity for us to kind of capitalize on all the gains we made not just from the regular season and from the break but we were really you know there's a lot of people that you know nobody was nobody would say excited to get into a bubble in isolation 
So you really had to be focused on what you were there to do. We really were. Um, so because we were really motivated, you didn't have to do as much of it. But the great thing about it is, you know, you stayed on a, on a, on a hotel floor. Your whole team was there. So you had a lot of access. So the other thing the NBA did a really good job of is there's always a schedule. There's always doing something. Like you're practicing. We were always meeting. We had our team meals. So you weren't really locked up in a room all the time unless you chose to be. Our personal hotel had, you know, they had, you know, pools, some outdoor activities. You can go visit your other people. They had a, the, the players had like a player's lounge where they can play cards and hang out, you know, without, you know, guys like us in the way. But um, it really, really was a time of focus and to try to just come and do what we came to do. And um, as far as from now, our standpoint on the performance and the strength and conditioning side, we had our own person. It was interesting because as my job with the association, mm-hmm. I worked with the NBA to build seven weight rooms and the seven practice courts on the bubble. But because we're dealing with the virus, it's not accessible all the time. You only have your set time, your three hours of practice and treatment and lifting. But, you know, it was hard because you you have some guys that lift at night, some guys in the morning. It, it just things just change so much. So we ended up renting two rooms, took all the furniture out, and we took a truck and shipped our weight room to wow. to, to, to to Orlando in, wow. into two rooms. So so now we had two rooms that we had full access, but because of the COVID, you can only have one coach and one player in at a time. So those, it was more like the, the details, the semantics of scheduling and how can we make sure we get it. But because of that, you're always busy. From my standpoint as a strength conditioning coach, we felt like we were always doing something because you couldn't do, the only time you can really do a team lift or a big group lift would have been during your practice a lot of time at the gym. Um, but it was also important we made sure the guys got a lot of rest. So okay. it was a, um, you know, you didn't have the travel, but the schedules, you know, we had so many games of 9, 9, 9.30 p.m. starts. So yeah. we're getting home at 1, they're up till 4. So the next day, as a strength coach, is it good for me to train a guy with six hours of sleep, going to bed at 4? You know, you try to, you know, you try to ride that line of, I don't, I don't want to – we want to keep them fresh, but at the same time, give them the training they need to be prepared for the demands on the court. So from that standpoint, there's a lot of juggling around with individual guys. It, it reminds me, my experience at the Olympics, yes. it wasn't the bubble, but living in the Olympics village, you know, a crazy schedule, a lot of games, a lot of uh, journalists, also a lot of media, yep. uh, a lot of, I mean, players that are talking between them, you know, not all the teams, but we were living in a small apartment, the whole team together. So, so living 24-7, the same game time, the same. So we were living the excitement of the moment, but also a kind of stress for the schedule, a stress for practicing, you know, in such a such a right. such a different way. So very interesting. So I I'm not correcting me if I'm wrong, but I've heard that uh, the next NBA season we start in December. So what what are your players doing in this uh, transition period? So right now we don't know that yet. So right now the the there's there's negotiations and talks you hear uh, between 
a possible December 22nd first game or a possible mid-January. So we don't know the answer yet. The an- um, We probably won't know for the next one to two weeks, they're saying, um, or uh, next week to 10 days. But if the money and situation is correct, then I'm preparing now. Like literally in the last five days, I went from preparing for a late January to early February start. My periodization was all yeah. planned. Now – December training camp out the door goes periodization. Excuse wow. my language, but fuck the periodization I had. <laughs> Excuse me on this, but now we got to be smart about what do we, what do they need strength wise? What do they need? They need body wise. What do they need functional movement wise? So now I, I have a I have a, a progressive a, you know a load progression overload you know progression uh, uh, overload progression, but I'm also making sure we're getting you know their you know, their, all their mobility work. I mean, it's really like a condensed program now for, for, for them. You know, the, a friend of mine used to say that the best periodization is the one that I'm preparing tomorrow. So take, tomorrow, yeah. is the one that, you know, taking consideration of all the variables that usually you have to consider, because if you are thinking too much before, you know, knowing all the picture, right. Uh, has no sense at all. So that's the thing. And and probably in my opinion, my humble opinion, I think that uh, working uh, in a a specific and individualized way is probably the best periodization because it's true, you got a team, but you have also individuals with completely different needs. So once again, how you prioritize, prioritize, you know, uh, the, the, the planning from individuals to the team. Correct. And that's, and that's what you're dealing with right now is, you know, we, we just got out of our season, you know, five weeks ago and yeah. we're now getting them through their assessments. So their movement assessments and mobility and strength. So now we want to try to d- address the needs, the big ticket items as well mm-hmm. as we can right now. Um, and hopefully we'll find out in the next week to 10 days, really when we start and then we'll go from there. Interesting. So another very important, uh, I mean, questions, uh, question that many European coaches uh, uh, usually uh, like to make is a, a comparison from uh, from uh, the NBA organization and the European organization. So in the last years, there are many NBA teams that start talking about performance department. You know, they try to make also consistent investment in, in people, in human resources, or in technology, you know. But my question is, this kind of investment, in your opinion, also, I mean, you know, you know the business very well, you know, being president of uh, the NBA Strength mm-hmm. Conditioning Association. So uh, this investment has brought in a day-by-day team management some uh, added value. What, what do you think about this uh, new trend of having a strong, consistent performance department behind your back. So, so you bring a very good point because through the years that from back when you and I knew each other, like this will kind of date me, but if I go back to when I started with the Sonics, there were no assistant strength coaches. There were no, there were no interns. We created the position. And then every team, you know, Dwight Dobb, who is my mentor, you remember Dwight very well. From OKC. from OKC in the Seattle, I was his assistant for seven years, but the strength coaches would make fun of him because like you needed a full-time intern, like there's only 15 guys. So (laughs) now, you know, you have enough strength coaches for one, every five, six guys. 
the, it's 100% great because you got, because what you're going to have, you have more individual attention. You have more, you have more smart people together learning from one another. But with that comes the need to better communicate and understanding roles and, and understanding, um, where people fit in. Cause you have a lot of hands in the pot. Now you definitely do the, 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 the staffs have grown, but they've grown stronger. So it's, 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 I think this high performance model is great because, you know, you obviously have now full-time dietitians, you got sports psychologists, you got sports scientists, you have biomechanists, you have, you have physical therapists, you got athletic trainers, you got strength coach, you got, you got so many as part of the big team. So it's really from, from my stamp, from my experience and where I've kind of grown, I, I'm learning more now than I did earlier on because back then you're kind of more like you're just strength and conditioning. Now you're still just strength and conditioning, but you're working amongst the team. So you're learning so much more from, I've learned more about, you know, load management. I've learned more about uh, movement, uh, just, just human movement as opposed to resistance training. So um, it's definitely something that it, it takes the right manager and the right leader to to be able to handle all these because all these people at the NBA, they're considered some of the best in their business, right? So you got a lot of people who feel very confident in what they know and what they bring. So you got to make sure you're able to manage not just what people's strengths and weaknesses, but you got to be able to manage personalities as well. So um, it's something that that is usually done very well. And we're fortunate here because we have a, we have a, we have a big, our staff's grown quite a bit my, in my three years here. And um, I just, you know, introduced you to Todd Wright again. And Todd, you know, Todd's our vice president. And Todd was uh, an assistant coach, head of uh, performance with the Philadelphia 76ers for, for, um, for four years before he came here. And, you know, he has a very strong background in 3D training, Gary Gray and strength and conditioning. And where I might be a little bit more of a traditional strength coach from my past and and our blending of philosophies has been, you know, a lot of continual learning, but at the same time, we have so many tools now in our, in our toolbox to address the individual yeah. needs of our players. No, I, I really believe in this new, let's say, uh, vision, you know, of taking care about performance in a, in a multidisciplinary way, you know, but like you say, you're bringing your strong side and you're learning from the others, you know. Yep. It's just one criticism, in my opinion. You have to organize this knowledge and these personalities, you know, because yep. many professionals think that what they know is the best. What they know is the, the main thing to do, you know. So you got to create the priorities. You got to understand what is worth, what is not worth, what you can do now, what you cannot do now because it's not time to do it, you know. The so, word is humility. You have to have humility. You got to be able to understand yeah. that maybe what you're used to doing is not the best thing right now. Yeah. And in another person's um, strategy might be better. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not always, a, you know, it's not just a question of having a lot of persons, but having the right person the in your right. organization, that's, a, that's a, the, the big challenge. So right. changing completely scenario, uh, and moving from, you know, from I'm doing the last uh, five, six, six years, uh, you saw me uh, the Chicago Combine uh, a couple of years ago. So in terms of technology, which is the technology that has changed the quality of your working, your personal working in, in the last years? If, if it exists, I mean, if, if it, it exists, does exist, you know, a technology that uh, make you feel completely. I saw that you are 
uh, you're wearing an aura ring. Just an example, you know. I am. Yes, there you go. That's a great example. <laughs> so you have one too. Okay, yeah. but just it's just a tool. We can discuss about this, but generally speaking, technology that in the last I don't know five years is a, a huge amount of time for technology. No, it is change your strength conditioning job in a more let's say valuable way. Yes, you know, technology is interesting because when you deal with technology, you got different types, right? You got wearables. The, the hardest thing with wearables, you need people to be able to, to do what they got. They got to put it on. More times than not, pro athletes do not like to wear wearables. Like a ring. This ring is great, but, you know, at the same time, guys don't like to shoot with it, lift with it. They take it off. But, you know, we just talked to um, a sleep expert the other day, but the HRV information we get out here, the HRV and the sleep information on the Aura is so good um, yeah. compared to some of the other technology yeah, yeah, out there. So we would like them to wear, maybe wear it at night, but then they got to be able to share the technology. So wearables is one thing, but we use like for, you know, we have, you know, Connexon is, an, you're familiar with Connexon. Connexon is yeah. a really good tool because even though they do have to wear it, um, you can get some really, really good detailed information when it comes down to not just speeds and efforts, but you can really get um, really detailed on where they're going on the court because there's a, it's like a mapping. It's not yeah. just a number. There's a, it's a visual tool mm -hmm. as well. Now, where I, I'm still waiting for the perfect one for me in my world. My world, I want someone that does like Zephyr. So I usually use Zephyr. Um, back was you know it do with loads it would do a, a it would do physiological and mechanical load because i like to see their physiological responses well i want to see their heart rate response i want to know i think some of the technologies that are used in the nba only really give half of the picture because mm -hmm. we can know the work they're doing but if we don't know the stress it's putting on the player mm -hmm. then we don't really know the full picture like we have enough we, we have ideas of you know, what their top speeds are. So we figure, you know, the more they're at their top speeds, we know that it's obviously fatiguing them more, but, you know, we don't see that fitness curve as much unless they have a heart rate strap at the same time. So that's my little soap, soap box on, on my soapbox on that. But um, I think Connexon is a great one. Um, I think polar heart rate monitors is a great one too. I think finding the right one that if there could be one chip that has both of them, mm -hmm. that would be, perfect but um you know the nba also has you know second spectrum which is great because we got the cameras and all the 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 cameras and all the in all the game and all the game arenas so we're able to see without them wearing anything their speeds intensities <laughs> how high they jump and everything like that now so the technology is good to get feedback after the fact in real time you were not able to use real time during games mm. um and then real time, you're not able to do it during games. Um, and during practice, it's optional. So as far as from that standpoint, from the basketball side, it's a little limited. But as far as performance, we use like gym aware. We like, like, um, we use gym aware, which is a. Okay. Um, I don't know him very well. It's, it's velocity based training. So we're yeah. able to, you know, self regulate some of the guys and kind of get understanding of where they are. Um, we can kind of specific, make it a little more specific our training if we want to look more for strength or strength speed or speed strength, absolute strength, you know, with certain lifts. So we've used that as a technology. Um, obviously, as far as doing assessments, we use all kinds of different cameras and force plates 
to be able to see any type of asymmetries in camera work, but um, I'm still looking. I'm waiting for the perfect one, which is going to be something that they don't have to wear that we can get their heart rate and all their uh, their physical, uh, they're all mechanical. Yeah, yeah. But it just doesn't exist yet that I know of. Ah, there are many companies in the world, so they are all specializing in something specific. So Correct. we are looking something ideal, but uh, um, I, I catch your point. I mean, technology in different fields, on the floor, in the weights room, on uh, on the lifestyle of the players, because yeah. uh, now we are able to have a little bit more information about what's happening when players are not with us, you know, HRV, sleeping, hygiene, right. whatever. Any information could be uh, useful if you have, you know, a, 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 a full picture uh, where you can control all this information to provide the better options, the better advices, you know, to your players, uh, to your coaching staff. So Correct. thinking... Correct, oh, but, you know, but a lot of times, the, you know, the athlete might not want to share those. And that's the other thing is they got to be able yeah. to willingness to wear it and to share it because nowadays with contracts, you know, which I'm not involved in, but Hey, you, you know, some players might have to play so many games to get a bonus. Well, what if the feedback says they need rest? They're gonna be like, no, you're playing me. Cause I, you know what I mean? There, there's a lot of comp that there can be potential. I, I know what you mean because uh, it's uh, it's my job. Now I'm in the same situation that sometimes players come to me and they don't want to have too many information or they don't want to provide too many information to the coach. No? So let's say, oh, why are you doing all these assessment, all this testing? I know my body. I'm trying to educate them. You know, if you got information, you know how to use it or don't use it. But if you have no information, you're like a blind driving a car in, in, a, in a foggy day. I mean, has no sense at all what you're doing. So can we play with the numbers can we play with information right. so it's a it's a tricky point you know and i'm still believe that we are coaches so we have to spend time to educate our players not just to train our players so Correct. that's a big challenge for us so Steve, next, you said it you, you said it you i'm sorry go ahead please continue no no, no, no. i was i was just uh, switching the 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 the, the topic because uh, uh, i mean you are in a situation you are president of uh, the nba strength conditioning association yes. so uh, which are your ingredients to be a successful coach? Because this is you know, a very important question for me. That is a good question. I'll tell you, you know, when you talk about the Strength Coach Association, you know, so so I I am president, but I was I was the first president in years ago in 2008 when we when we came together. There was um, four of us that started it: myself, Sean Wendell, you know, Keith D'Amelio, who you obviously Keith. know. And then um, Mike, Mike Curtis. So Mike. Mike Curtis. So us four started it, and it was a great way to help us, like you talked about, us for us to communicate with one another, for us to be able to help each other out with everything from um, how we get treated, you know, be able to have a workout space when we play each other in arenas, to contract negotiations, to even um, how we um, supply supply our athletes with. You know, we want to be able to provide our athletes with the best technology and education out there. So we, we we do a lot of continued education together as well. And so from that standpoint, within it's it, it's it's like it's a fraternity, right? It's a it's a group of us to help each other um, grow as as a strength coach professional. But it's also turned out to be an opportunity for others to come and learn from us. And, and it's a network for others. So 
when we talk about what it takes to be a great strength coach, you know, the, the, you know, with, from the association, we try to provide opportunities for other strength coaches and for other people to come learn with us, you know, whether it be learning technologies, um, sharing our, sharing our programming and ideas, but of course, not all the secret sauce, but just enough that you can share. It's, um, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, for me, from, if I had to ask, answer personally, the biggest thing that I find as far as, you know, what's going to make somebody a great strength coach and like, how can the association help is that is we talk about the word humility and humbleness and being able to step off your, your, your high horse and understand and learn, you know, I'll tell you this, you know, I hate to go back to me, but when I started with the Seattle supersonics in 96, I worked for them seven years and I didn't get paid a dollar until my, my third or fourth year. Matter of fact, Kutso, I was going to school to get school credit. I was already taking a full load. So for me to volunteer, I had to get credit. I was already taking a full load. So I had to pay to wow. work for the song. So I had to get the school credit. I already had a full load. So I had to pay to get it. So, but I would never think twice about it. And money was never the driving force to why we do what we do and the for the young people out there when it comes to getting into the field and getting motivated those are the things that people have to understand is volunteering understanding that you know we're in this because we actually believe in in what we get out of it and and it's not about money it's about um it's it's about the relationships but it's about the increased performance and seeing and being a part of of something very big and um, I don't know if that answered your question, but that was a really big one for me is like when I go speak and talk to other young, young up and coming strength and conditioning coaches, the number one question I always get is how much money do you make? Yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, that's the worst question to ask. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I cannot be more agree with you about that because it's, it's something that I try to teach to my students. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's so important that you have this uh, humble approach to share knowledge, to let's say uh, to improve yourself. If you are working the performance world, you gotta take care about your your first performance, your personal performance. So I try to be a better person, to be a better coach. So it's a it's a life commitment. It's not just a professional commitment. This is the second right. option. It's never the first option. So when I meet uh, coaches that uh, they are jealous about their knowledge, say what? There are thousands, millions of people that are doing your job and better than you. So they're jealous because probably you don't believe that your knowledge is good enough. I never find I never found you know a good coach with a good knowledge. Uh, being scary of, of sharing his experience. And right. I'm talking about the best coaches I've met in, in, my, in my life, you know. Yeah. They were a really humble person. They were ready to share. They were professionally uh, ethic. So yes. it's your idea, your exercise. I mention you. If you are, you know, if I get something from this discussion, I says, look, I was talking with Daniel and he told me, this on that, you know, you got to be, uh, let's say, um, ethically correct with other people. But you got I'm mentioning the best person. If you don't want to share, if you're jealous, if you think that your exercises are enough to improve your play as a performance, if you think you are the smartest person in the room, probably you are in the wrong room, you know. So yep. this is my feeling. This is the message. Sometimes I know that I'm 
I'm, 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 I mean, I'm raw, I'm going straight to the point. But, you know, if you do want to, it's better to be shy now, you know, and asking before than being, a, you know, showing your big ego and after crashing yourself because, right. of, because life is going to teach you how it works. That's, That's right. I'm, I'm so you, know, I mean, you, you, you got it. You know it. I mean, you've been in this field a long time, Crusoe, and you know it. And you've been and you've been, you've had the opportunity to do it in different cultures and different parts of the world. So you've seen that. So. About different cultures. Last question, because I know that for you is a long, long day. And okay. you've been so kind to share with us this time. And I'm so happy to, to have this chance to talk with you. So tell me, differences between European and American school players in the NBA? You know, like athletes, like players, some secrets behind the scene if you got. Uh, well, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough, as you know, because I've, I've I've had an inter talent. I've had international players. Um, I've had the opportunity to go internationally to train some of these players. Like like I had Gallo, we had Boba Marjanovic, we had Milos Teodosic, um, just in my time here. And it's interesting. Like you know, the, I hate to say it, but you know, there's an, always a kind of an old expression in the NBA that the Europeans were soft. They, they always said that they were soft. Now, you know what? I, I was like, you know what? That's an assumption because our game was much more physical here. And I think we were a little bit more advanced in sports performance and weightlifting and this and that at the time. Mm -hmm. But in my, in my experience that I've noticed with on the performance level, the biggest thing is more um, the, the, the facilities and the opportunities, like, like when I was spent some time in Serbia and some in, in Italy, mm -hmm. the facilities are not like they are here in the States and the budgets are probably not, the, and I'm sure there's great. I know, I'm sure you probably know the top Italian gyms there are, but in your top Italian gym probably is as great as a maybe as top as an American one or maybe not, but we just have so many more. They're just, they're just so few and far between yeah, in some sure. of the European countries. So with that comes a challenge because sometimes you just don't have the, the, as much of the, of the technology opportunity overseas, or you might not have also as much of the educated, the education and the, um, with the technology, the education, and the opportunity, because there might not be a market for it as much out there. Like, like you know, I know when my family's in South America, I couldn't make a living down there being a performance coach. So they just don't have the market for it. Mm -hmm. So um, from that standpoint, I, I I think the players are still tough. I, I don't think they're all soft. I think I you know not to sound bad saying that I think I think it's there's the the culture comes into play too like how they eat how they rest um the league itself how many games how they practice like i know european you know you can say they're soft but man you guys practice twice a day a lot of times we don't do that here in the states yeah i know but you you know in, in, my, in my opinion my experience um you're we are in europe we are spending a lot of time on building and creating uh, players in the states what i've seen having this college experience that's not common in Europe, for example. That's you spend a lot of time more to beat athletes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So physical preparation is a it's a it's a must at the high school. In Europe, yes. 
doesn't happen. If you're not so lucky to be in a youth program with some professional coaches, I mean, you don't spend a lot of time, you know, to 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 prepare your body to be a basketball player. You said so it. You said it. No, no, you said it. No, no. At high school, we have high schools here. I was just talking to a high school coach the other day. What he's having their high school players do now is is unbelievable. Like I just the 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 facilities and the opportunities and the resources they have for kids at a younger age here is so because there's so much money in the pros. Every kid wants to be a pro. So every kid wants to get a scholarship. So they yeah. just start so young, which yeah. then comes the overuse injuries. Now you see the itises, the tendonitises, the bursite, you know, you see, you know, it, it comes with it. So, so they, they start when they are 14, 15 years old. So they, before coming to a pre-draft combine, for example, they got four, right. five years of hard professional work in their body. Yes. In Europe, doesn't happen. Correct. You know, if you're lucky, it could be a couple of years, three years. Yeah. So I've seen so many players, you know, moving from uh, from Europe to NBA and physically changed in two, three years yeah. because they have to. If they want to survive in NBA with this uh, frequency of games, you know, yeah. regular season, 82, yeah. six months, you got to be physically ready, not just technically ready. It's not yeah. enough. You cannot perform with consistency in NBA if you're not physically ready. It's a must, you know. Or probably you can could happen during the 70s. It was another basketball, other bodies, other I mean uh, intensity of the game. But right now, it's almost impossible. So almost impossible. Okay. Um, it's, so, it's 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 crazy, but but it's not changing. It's not changing. As long as you know the 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 games are the way they are, the the call you know in college, you know we call it training age. That's the word is you know in, in college, you know in the NBA now you might get a kid that's been in college one year or four years, and you you know you're going to train them differently according. But most times now, when you get a kid in the NBA, they've got a training age where they've been training so many years, like you said. So so you're dealing with 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 young kids, but with men bodies. So and this is something we are trying to change Europe, you know, like, first of all, mentality, mentality of management, mentality of, of uh, owners, game owners, you know, federations, because uh, if you want to compare, if you want to be competitive, you know, worldwide, we got to uh, change this kind of gap between yeah, yeah. Our, our basketball school and, and uh, the American pro school that is completely at another level. Yeah. So... Alessandro, if you want to close, I'm, I mean, I don't want to steal too much time to Daniel. We, we can talk the whole night for me yeah. and the whole day yeah. for him. But, yeah. you know, I think for this podcast is enough. I don't know if you want to make a question to Daniel. Yeah, I, w- I would just like to, to make you a question if I can steal you just a few minutes uh, yeah. before greeting. Um, and turn back to the, to the technology subject we, we have talked a few minutes ago. I don't think that uh, Francesco is uh, uh, is agreeing with uh, with this um, with this point of view, but um, me too. But at the same time, I want just to uh, try to see the other side of the coin. You know, uh, okay. we talk about data, we talk about technologies, we talk about collecting data. It's it's uh, it's the big data uh, period. You know. Um, but, um, at the same time, I want to ask you if 
you have the possibility to collect because you have budget, you have uh, numbers, you have you have everything to collect a big, big, big uh, number of data. But at the same time, do you think you could, uh, in this way, lost uh, lose the um, you know the you 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 would become we would become more data analyst than strength conditioning coach we we can in a in a way just uh, stop seeing the field and losing the ability to watch the athlete well let me tell you i'm going to answer that with one really big answer we have a staff that analyzes that we have because of that we have our, our own analytics department that will do that even for us. So, because at the end of the day, I need to be out there coaching the guys. I, I, I don't have time. Like, you know, you ever heard there's a saying, uh, per, uh, paralysis, but through analysis, like, you know, you just sit there and analyze and analyze or you're just yeah, paralyzed. Yeah, you just yeah. can't. So for us, um, we want to take a few key metrics that we want to follow, whatever that might be for the person and go with that. There's so much analytics that come in. I mean, now it's even watching video and seeing the positions they're in and how do you know how do they move on the floor? Do they are they standing up? Are they sitting down? What percentage? I mean, there's so much analytics that goes in. And then, but they do a good job. They know our job is performance. So the analytics department will work with you know the basketball minds and say, we got to, you know, they'll notice that this guy's not doing, let's say he's standing upright 48% of the time when he's in the key during you can break it down however you want well they'll come to us and be like hey we got to improve this and we'll see the film so you know we don't we see the games but we're not analytics like you know i'm not an analyst we have people who would do that for us which is great because they're very busy and um and we and we'll use that but like something like like gym aware we have instant feedback so from there i don't need to really go back, you know, in between sets and go study much. I know that he did or did not hit the speed I want to go. I can either adjust the speed or adjust the weight and we go to the next set. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for your time. You're always, uh, you know, a very great person to, to, oh, to stay you. in touch and to share ideas. And you're a very humble person. So well, I, I love you. this time. And, uh, and I wish you all the best for the upcoming season, you know. And, Whenever uh, it is, <laughs> won't be easy for all of us, you know, to work in professional sports. I've, I've seen your assistant walking around with a mask and training such a difficult uh, situation. But you know, we are, um, you know, we are a sport person, so we are. Yeah. We, we know what does it mean uh, to sacrifice ourselves and uh, to challenge ourselves. So hopefully, you know, it's just a question of few months. And uh, we're gonna have our life back. So that's my greeting. That's what I'm really believe. And this Thank is you. what uh, I want to share with uh, with you from my heart. Man, well, I do appreciate you, Kut. So uh, it's an honor to be on here with you guys. I hope we're all back. Everybody stay healthy, and hopefully, and sooner than later, we're all back to regular lives again. And we have fans, and we can not have to wear masks around everybody. And you know, just more if fun. We, if we can hug each other like we can hug yeah. each other. You know, if I see you now, I'll hug you anyway, Kut. So I trust you. I'm going to hug you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Daniel. You've Thank you very you much, everybody. Daniel. Thank you, Alessandro. Wish you a good night from me and from all the Performance Lab staff. Uh, Thank you. See you on the next episode. See you in the next Bye. episode. Bye. Be well.